Second Peter chapter one verse three to four says, According as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these he might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I thank God for the opportunity to share to you from his holy word. My name is Dillian Bellat, and I am the current evangelist for the Church of Christ at Grosley. If you are listening to this message, I want you to know that we are happy that you have taken the time out to listen to God's word. And we trust and hope that this message will be a blessing to you, as it will hopefully bring you closer to God as you understand more of what God desires for your life and what God offers you through His precious promises. What God offers us is both the topic of this lesson and, as a matter of fact, it's a continuation of the lesson that I preached last week. I remember sharing with you that what God offers us is both numerous and vast and that there is no way I can possibly cover all of it in one or two lessons. And so today I will share with you just about three or four points as time will allow me to on what God offers us or those who come to him. In Romans chapter 15 verse 13 there the scripture tells us now the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that he may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to share with you three things that normally travel together. Three things which at first seem like everyone on earth can possess without coming to Christ. But I assure you that these three things are of great difference from the earthly counterpart and are indeed special uh, set apart only for those who are in Christ. Uh, these three things are hope, joy, and peace. We begin looking at hope. What is hope and why is it important? Hope is defined as a feeling of expectation, a desire from a, for a certain thing to happen, a certain wishful thinking for something to actually happen and become true or a reality. Hope, I want you to know, is an important ingredient to a happy life. In this world, hope still remains strong on the list of human needs. It is like a single candle during the night. It gives light for us to continue on, to continue on and find way out of the darkness. A child goes to school and hopes that one day he will become a doctor or a lawyer, a policeman, a basketball, football player, whatever dreams that he may have. A woman marries a man in hopes of making a better tomorrow for herself and children. Every day, millions of people play the lottery in hopes that they will win the grand prize and with further hope that it will change their lives. When people go to work each day, with, it is with hope of making enough money to change their lives or their current situation. Others turn to alcohol and drugs and others' vices and lusts of this life. Uh, with hope that it, for if just for a moment, they will forget the troubles of this life. 
a person would rather die without hope in this world. That's how important hope is in our lives. It gives us a reason to carry on. Hope is the foundation upon which life is built upon. Think of the simple farmer who only hoped that enough rain would fall to water his crops that his labors will not be in vain. Or those millions of us who are hoping for a vaccine in time to cure this COVID-19. But can we truly trust and confidently build or to hope on the things in this world that we live in? What are the certainties of this life? Job shares with us that man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Job says that one of the certainties of this life is that every man in his lifetime is going to experience trouble. There's going to be difficulties and, uh, and perilous times to face. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 9, 27, that it is appointed unto man once to die. And that's another certainty. It's the greatest certainty of this life. That every man that is born will eventually one day die. And, and 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 tells us, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out of it. It is another certainty of this life. That as we brought nothing into this world, whatever we accumulate, whether it be material, possessions, money, whatever the case may be, we can take none of it with us in the afterlife. Therefore, I want you to know that hope, as God offers us, it is so much of a greater importance than the hope that the world gives us. You see, the Christian hope is a different hope. It is the same hope, but it is hope that is built on something different. It is different because of whom we hope and what it is built upon. Not hope that is wishful thinking, but hope built upon certainties because it rests upon God and his promises. You see, the Bible tells us, Titus 1 verse 2 tells us, that in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world begin. This hope I speak about is a hope built upon God who never lies. Yes, we can't say, sadly rather, we can't say the same thing about the human race. We can't say the same things about the, the things that we hope in this world. But we know that when it comes to God, that we can trust in God, for God never lies. The Christian hope is a hope that is based or built upon God, to whom nothing is impossible. Matthew 19.26 Jesus tells us, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God who is able and faithful, and has proven his worth from the foundations of this world over and over again. The Christian hope is built upon a God who never fails, nor his promises falter. Isaiah tells us, chapter 55, verse 1, So shall my word be that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereunto I send it. The Christian hope is built upon God, and extends not only in this life, but in the life which is to come. Paul tells us, if we have hope in this life only, then we are of all men most miserable. 1 Corinthians 15.19 You see, the Christian hope does not rest upon the outcomes of this life 
only. The Christian hope extends to the life that is to come. One man says, and I quote, Hope lifts me up. Hope lets me see what could be. Hope tells me there is more. Hope forces to keep walking, searching, longing, loving. Hope leads to faith. When that hope is in God, then one can rest assured that all things will come to pass because God never fails. God offers hope to every man who comes to him. He offers hope for the things pertaining to this life then and in the life to come. Furthermore, to those who come to him, God offers joy. Joy is defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And both Christians and non-Christians experience joy as an emotion. But there is a significant difference or significant differences between the joy as the world knows it and the Christian joy. You see, the joy as the world knows it is an earthly joy. It is dependent upon external activities and circumstances, such as, if things go well with me, then um, I will have joy. The Christian joy is not dependent upon external activities. James tells us, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various temptations. What, what does that mean? James says, count it all joy when you fall into temptations. You see, that, that Christian joy is so different from the earthly joy that even through trials and temptation, a Christian can count it all joy. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, here the Apostle Paul, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Yes, he heard it right. Paul says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's even better. Can you imagine that? That's joy being spoken of, whether he lives or dies. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the, the Apostle Paul says there again, And we know that all things work together for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Joy as the world knows it is dependent upon external activities, but the Christian joy is not dependent upon external activities. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside. The joy can still remain in the heart of the child of God. Furthermore, joy as the world knows it, this earthly joy is associated with earthly pleasures which are temporary. But the Christian joy is associated with eternal and enduring rewards. The Hebrew writer tells us, chapter 11 verse 25, Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a moment. The Christian joy is associated with eternal and enduring rewards. Joy, as the world knows it, is associated with well-being, success, or good fortune. The Christian joy, however, and otherwise known as the joy of the Lord, is associated with Jesus. It is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, John fifteen eleven, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. And again, in chapter 17, verse 13 of John, he says, But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Jesus brings joy in the life of people. Even before his birth, 
The scripture tells us at the announcement of the of of Jesus, the angel says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then again, when Mary and Elizabeth met for the first time, uh, Elizabeth said, Lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in my ear, that my baby leaped for joy in my womb. And Jesus brought joy to people throughout his ministry. When the woman was healed by Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verse 16 to 17, the scripture tells us the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Luke 7.22 gives an account of the things which Jesus did. The blind see, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, the deaf heard, the dead were raised, and the gospel was preached to the poor. Oh, what glorious things, what joy that Jesus brought into the life of many a man throughout his ministry. Jesus used his life to bring great joys to others. Even after his death, Jesus continued to be the focus of joy in the hearts of the believers. The Bible tells us when the woman heard the news that Jesus was raised from the dead, Matthew chapter 28 verse 8, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and they run to tell the apostles. And then when the apostles saw Jesus ascend into heaven, the Bible tells us after worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The Bible tells us that Jesus is both the one who brings us joy and he's the example, our example in faith to everyone who seeks to attain true joy. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who through the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. The focus of joy for Jesus was not simply things of this present time. If Jesus could have lived comfortably on this earth, being famous, charging a penny for, for a miracle, and he would still have been rich. It is in direct contrast to uh, the millionaire prosperity preachers of our age and the so-called miracle workers of today who profit from that which they call a gift of God. Jesus told the apostles in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely he have received, freely give. And in one account, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20, the Bible tells us, And the seventh returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subjected unto us through thy name. And Jesus said unto them, In this rejoice not, that the spirits are subjected unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. True joy is found by focusing on the things, sorry, true joy is not found, by focusing on the things of this life alone. The things in this life disappoint, mislead, fail and fall short of everlasting joy. That's why we focus on Jesus. True joy is tied with our obedience to the will of God and the salvation of our souls. Luke chapter 15 verse 7. That likewise there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, over 99, more than 99 just persons which need no repentance. Friends, true joy is tied in our obedience to the will of God and the salvation of our souls. 
the Ethiopian, the Bible tells us, after he was baptized by Philip, went on his way rejoicing. And Christians rejoice forevermore through the salvation that is attained through obedience to Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The joy of the Lord may be inexplicable to those who do not possess it. But for the believers in Christ, the joy of the Lord comes naturally through his continued trust and confidence in God. The peace of God, like we previously said, follows quite closely to hope and joy. John chapter 14 verse 27, again that's John chapter 14 verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is peace? Peace is defined as freedom from disturbance, tranquility, a state of period or period in which there is no war. Once again, the peace which God offers differs from the worldly definition of peace. Such peace can be attained despite external and present conflicts. John 16 verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is the type of peace to which we speak of. That we can have peace in our hearts, even when the world is turned upside down. The Bible describes it as a peace which passeth or surpasses all understanding. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. This is a peace which surpasses all human understanding, as only God can give. And how does one attain such peace? The answer is by trusting in the Lord. The psalmist says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. That's Proverbs chapter 3 in verse 5. This peace is the harmony and calmness of a body, mind and spirit, that trust in the power and grace of God. This is the type of peace which caused David to say, Psalms chapter 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This is the type of peace that caused Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to answer uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar, saying, We are not careful, O king, to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, 
that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship thy golden image, which thou hast set up. This is uh, the same peace which caused the Apostle Paul to say, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The Apostle uh, said, It doesn't matter whether I, am, I stay in this world or I'm removed from it, I am still at peace. Like the songwriter says, It is well with my soul. It doesn't matter what happens in this life. It doesn't matter what is done to me, what is done to my property. I want you to know that it is well with my soul. That's the type of peace that God offers us. The world may have tribulation, distress. Uh, There might be problems. But you know what? I have peace in Jesus. This peace can only be first experienced though. When we ourselves are at peace with God. There is no peace with God when sin is in our lives. When sin is in our lives, we instead experience guilt and shame and the regret that comes from doing that which is wrong. And the Bible tells us that sin, or rather the wages of sin, is death. as Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life. For Jesus Christ our Lord. This death that is being spoken about is a separation from God. You see, sin separates us from God. And peace is not possible when sin is a part of our lives. The Bible tells us God is light, sin is darkness, and that light and darkness cannot coexist. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, uh, verse fifty tells us, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. The true war that is, that is being fought is the war of good and evil. It is the war of light and darkness. It is, this is the war that must be fought and won in order for one to attain the peace that God offers. You see, the worst disease that man faces, the worst virus is not the coronavirus. Uh, the worst disease is not AIDS or some other, other sickness. Uh, the worst disease, my friend, is seen in the hearts and lives of men. And God seeks and pursues peace with man by removing sin from the life of man. The Bible tells us, Romans chapter 5 verse 10 tells us, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled by God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Notice what the scripture says. That at one point we all are enemies of God. We are enemies of God when sin is in our lives. That separates us from God. But God sent his only begotten son. That's what John tells us. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus came so that man can be reconciled with God. And so before one can can seek to attain the peace that passeth all understanding, he must first make peace with God in his own life. There is no peace in this world, but peace can be found with God and in God. Friends, my hope is that I have shared with you enough to entice you to come to know God who loves you 
and desire to save you from your sins. And that you realize that there is more to be gained by coming to God than staying away from Him. You are loved by God. You matter to Him. The saving of your soul is important. And God makes a way for you to do that through His Son, Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Him in obedient faith. Repent of your sins and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That the hope found in Christ and the joy of the Lord and the peace which passeth all understanding might be yours in Christ. Along with so much more of his great and precious promises. Time will fail me if I I am to tell you about the freedom that is found in Christ. The freedom from sin, from the freedom from guilt and freedom from shame, freedom from worry and anxiety and fear of the things that pertain to this life and beyond. And to tell you of his faithfulness, of the faithfulness of God, which is as certain as the mountains that stand, the faithfulness of God, which is from everlasting to everlasting. And time will fail me to tell you about the friend that you find, that you will find in Jesus. The songwriter says, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. God is indeed the creator of the world. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient and he's all present. But you know what? The eternal God desires to be a friend. And he is a friend to those of us who come to him. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend that will never leave us nor forsake us. And to tell you of the eternal life that is found in God, time would yet fail me more, because in Christ there is life eternal. We have hope that tomorrow will be better. We are, Jesus promised, mansions in heaven, a place that we can be with him, a place the Bible tells us where there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more tears and there will be no more death. And if I had time, I would tell you about the enduring presence of our God. God seeks to be a part of your life. And when we come to God, we become a part of Him. And He a part of us. And Jesus said, There, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. My friend, the promises of God are so great that time will fail us in trying to, to mention all of them. But I'm happy to have been able to share with you a few of the things that God offers us. And I hope that you will accept God's invitation and that you will accept what God offers you. Because the things that God offers us differ from the things which the world offers us. The things which God offers us are of greater value and greater benefit to you. Because they are eternal They are heavenly, they are spiritual, and they are not found anywhere on earth, but only in God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you are ever in the Grosley area of St. Lucia, we invite you to worship with us at the Grosley Church of Christ. You can find out more about our congregation by visiting our website at thegrosleychurchofchrist.org. My name is Dylan Bellot, and I thank you for listening to this lesson. May God bless you and goodbye.